So what are you thinking? We're out of a job. Don't you mean extinct? Jurassic Park coming up next. Welcome back to Nerd is the New Cool. I'm Justin. With me as always is my good friend, John Lambert. What's up? Hey, man. What's up, everyone? We are joined with a very special guest. One, what might not say, the third leg to our tripod. Uh, and honestly, so we were going to do a different episode today, but we decided to switch it because of this illustrious guest, Mr. John Cagle. Hey, good to, good to hear what. Good to see you. Good to see everybody. Good to hear you. Hi, how's it going? Just I've never to be clear, before. we are zooming right now, so Kegel's confused. This is an audio medium, um, so whatever you, whatever facial expressions or things you do on the screen, our our listeners won't be able to see it. We can describe it in great detail if we. Yes, need we to. can. Uh, well, I, I wasn't sure because I've seen some of these professionally recorded in the past, and <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, this this ain't that. No, <laughs> so. We're here to talk about Jurassic Park, and it has been, believe it or not, 30 years since this movie debuted on screen. And the big reason why we had to have you join us, Kegel, I'm sure you remember this, is our, what I think is a legendary competition between you and I, mm -hmm. to see who could see Jurassic Park in the theater more times than the other person. Yeah, I think which what made it even more impressive is that we were both too young to drive and had to like elicit rides and yeah. money tickets for every single one of these ventures. Yeah, Pretty we're crazy. like in sixth grade or something like that. Yeah, 12 years mm -hmm. old. So I saw it 10 times in the theater. And unfortunately, that was not the winner. <laughs> I believe I, at 13 was the final final. Tally. I'm pretty sure that's correct. Yeah. And I, and I I stopped once you hit 11 because you found this like I remember you finding this dollar theater and you're like Hildebrand I found the dollar theater. I saw it three more times. I'm like you fucker. <laughs> so I I I bowed out and let you have the the crown for that one. Um I mean what what makes this movie so incredible? Like like why why do you think it was so great to go see it in the theater 13 times? I, from I mean, for me, um, the the again, this is not going to you know, go well for young people today. But the effects, like how realistic it seemed, how well the movie was made and done, and then I, I felt like this honestly, the score, the music, and how it complements the entire movie just it, like elicits an emotional reaction out of me, and it did when I was young. Yeah. What about you, Lambert? I mean, it's it's all the same stuff. It's definitely the special effects because they were. They were absolutely mind blowing. Like actually, like you, you felt like, oh, this is what dinosaurs looked like, and especially like being the age that we were at. Like we were all twelve years old when this came out, so like the imagination is in full force. And I mean, and it was a good story. I mean, it holds up. I didn't. I did not. I did not need to watch it <laughs> to prep for this episode because I've seen it so many times, but. Even the last time I saw it, like every, it's one of those movies, like every time it's on TV, I'm watching it. I'm mm -hmm. like, yep, I got to pick this up. Like, oh, it doesn't matter where it is. Like, I, I, I have to keep going now. I think what's really great about it, even upon the rewatch now, so many years later, even though there are some scenes that you're like, yeah, I mean, the CGI could have been improved here, perhaps would be more modernized. Honestly, I do, I do think it holds up pretty well. It's still pretty good. It holds up pretty it's well. Pre it's and pretty good. Yeah, and I, so I rewatched it for this conversation. Probably didn't have to, but there were a few things that I didn't remember or didn't remember well. And 
I actually watched this with my son and he who loves dinosaurs and has a lot of the same kind of creativity and, and imagination that we did when we were young and he was just floored by it and there's probably some stuff in there that's a little mature for him but mm-hmm. you know, like a champ and he's he's a big fan so it was pretty cool to see that yeah and I think what's what's great is that even though again it, it's it, it's been 30 years since it came out it doesn't take you out of the movie when you see some of the shots that maybe would be improved it was made in 2023 and I would argue even right. so. Let, let's. Get, I was going to say this for later, but let's get into. It. Let's talk about like how they made the dinosaurs because I think what makes the movie so special, and I think what it's really lost over the course of the the subsequent sequels, and we'll talk about those later. They kind of lost a little bit of that personal touch where it's just all green screen and CGI's or CGI. And, and what right. made it special was a really cool combination of a little bit of CGI, like state of the art at the time, but a lot of it was done with animatronics and other more realistic technology that not only looks cool, but also I think like lends itself to the actors. You're not, you're not acting with a random puppet or you're, or with no one there at all. Like there's a gigantic 50 foot freaking T-Rex. That's like, like jaws, like it's going to bite your fucking or seemingly bite your head off. Right. Yep. Yeah, I thought a lot so, of like the velociraptor scenes and things like that, where they have the, the head that comes out, like, you can, you can tell the difference between the CGI and, and the, the you know, animatronic version, but you're right. It doesn't take you out of the film at all. Yeah. I mean, I'm even thinking of one of my favorite scenes when uh, you've got, what is it? The Dilophosaurus that's sitting there and with Nedry. And that's like mm-hmm. a, life, a life, you know, a life-size model that's in the front seat with him. That had to have been pretty cool and intense to like film that scene. You can just feel it. It's not, again, yeah. it's not like this computerized thing that's clearly not in the seat. So Let's talk about a little bit about how this was made. So, and I'm going to give a shout out to an awesome show on Netflix, uh, how the movies were made or the movies that made us uh, does a really good job of going into more detail on this, but it's worth mentioning um, just kind of the evolution of it. So Spielberg, he actually wanted to basically use all mechanical dinosaurs and he got inspired by, you guys have probably seen this. I think I remember seeing this as a little kid, the gigantic King Kong at Universal Studios. Do you guys remember that? It was vaguely, like, yeah. Like you would be on a ride, <clears throat> driving, and all of a sudden, this giant King Kong, you know, animatronic or mechanical head would be there, and he'd be banging in like this. Anyway, um, so that's kind of where it came over, came from, or the the inspiration to do a lot of the dinosaurs in this movie. Uh, Stan Winston and his team takes over, and they are were at the time best known for uh, Aliens and Predators, so that's pretty cool. And uh, they do a lot of he wanted a lot of really close up shots, which again, you can kind of tell that like even thinking about the T-Rex and those shots of like his eyes or like him, you know, roaring. Phil Tippett was supposed to be fully in charge of animating. And at the time, Phil Tippett was really into stop motion animation. He was like the leader, the leader in stop and stop motion animation. If you see like some of the earlier cuts of like the, of like the, uh, the uh, uh, Velociraptors, it's, it, it is all like clay stop motion. Um, not even mm-hmm. quite, just complete stop motion animation but they would add this thing called motion blur that digitally that would make the movements seem less jerky and more convincing now here's where it all kind of switches up this guy named spaz williams steve spaz williams and his partner mark az dippe i believe is what his name is they were from ilm like we all we all kind of know what ilm right is um industrial mm-hmm. lights light and, and magic right pretty much George Lucas's company. It's that, George Lucas's. Yeah. yeah. So he comes in and basically says, Hey, we can do a better job and we can make this thing 
basically do a full animation starting with the skeletal build out all the way to like and then layering it on with skin or, or whatever you want to call it, scales or whatever 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 dinosaurs have um he 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 kind of surprises spielberg surprises Tippett, and shows it to kathleen kennedy and basically she says well that's pretty cool that's what we should be using for this movie and as a result um basically that's that was the the, the launching of them using the animation um in this film and phil Tippett at the time was pretty devastated he actually took a 10-day hiatus because <clears throat> he was quote sick but really it was it was kind of like a changing of the guard of how they use um well kind of replacing stop motion in most parts for this type of animation right right well and shout out stan winston fx uh little known well i mean it is a known fact but adam jones the guitarist for tool worked on jurassic park before he quit the movie business and did music full-time really yeah <laughs> That's so that just tells you like how talented that guy is. Like he was he was working for movies like this, and I think he did Terminator too as well. And he was doing like special effects for those type of movies and said, well, I'm gonna do this music thing full time. Mm -hmm. And he and he and he quit. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Who who okay, I know that I've read the book. I know Kegel, you've read the book. Lambert, did you read this book? Okay. I read I read the book, yep. I thought we all did. I thought like that was like what everyone basically did in sixth grade was read this fucking book. <laughs> I, mean, I would so, tell you it's been 30 years since I've read this book. Now, I will say that I saw the movie before I read the book. I remember reading the book on the way and finishing the book on the way to see it in theater the first time. Oh, that would have been awesome. It was like a race against time to finish the book <laughs> in the movie theater. I was like, I got 10 pages left. So it's written by Michael Crichton and... Uh, you know, he's done a lot of things in his career. So let's talk about a few of the things. I'm curious what your favorites are, whether you've read them or you've seen them or whatever. So his books, some of the major books he's done. Andromeda Strain, obviously this, and the and the sequel. Rising Sun was another one he wrote. Congo, Sphere. Yeah. A lot of these were obviously adapted. All the ones I mentioned were all adapted into, into films. I've well. seen all those movies, yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> if you've read another Michael Crichton book, I know, Kegel, you have what is besides this one what's your favorite i, I mean I, I would go with sphere probably i think you know similar in concept like you know very uh like fantasy sci-fi focused obviously less dinosaurs but you know, as you're thinking about time travel and and what you know speed of light travel does to you and people i thought that was just fascinating and they spent a lot of time on the technical aspects of it and they did so in the jurassic park book too i talked a lot about how the dna worked theoretically and things like that it was all made up basically but uh, it's, it's pretty interesting to see that i was, I was a big fan of that mm -hmm. lambert is this the only Crichton book you've read or you've read more no this is it okay so it's just your favorite book <laughs> yep this is my favorite i think sphere was great i remember the andronima strain maybe being a little bit above my uh level of knowledge at the time when i read it that's i think that's it's that's not his first major one it's one of his first major ones but i remember really loving congo the novel and being fairly disappointed by the adaptation is because the book is so like i don't know intense and i feel like the movie was more hokey you know um so then he, he's done a few other things and, and, I, and let's I, I can talk about some of the renditions he did but he wrote westworld the movie obviously a lot of his writings were inspired by the westworld tv show that came out in 2016 to ran through last year uh, Rising Sun was adapted from a book. 
which that's crazy. That's such a far departure from a lot of his other novels that are maybe more based in science. Yep. Yeah, I I, I feel like I've read that one, but I don't remember. I basically remember nothing about it or the movie for that matter. Like I feel like I've heard of it, but um, it's above my my movie knowledge depth at this point. Oh, I've well, seen the movie that. has it, the movie has Wesley Snipes and Sean Connery in it. The movie's great. I, I've seen it. I've seen the movie that. isn't bad. I love those books. That doesn't even sound familiar. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, and it's like it's, a, and Harvey Harvey Keitel too. Yeah, and it's like a sexual like murder mystery almost. Uh, very intense. Much, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so. Tia Carrera is also in it. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Er, he's in charge of the executive producer writer that runs from 1994 till 2009. It's a long ass series. Janet just watched it yeah. recently. It was like a freaking marathon to watch all of those fucking episodes um mm-hmm. Co- congo goes to the big screen in 95 he also did twister in 96 sphere oh. goes to the big screen in 98 um and then there's a few other ones too those are the main bangers so lambert of those what's your favorite again besides jurassic park you gotta name something else no i'll go twister that's always a movie that megan and i gravitate towards i don't know why I mean, that's the right answer, I think, right? Is that what you're going to say, too, Kegel? Probably, yeah. Well, I mean, Twister, you know, it's, I saw that on TV recently. One thing that caught my attention is in the beginning, it's like, you know, rated R for intense depictions of weather. Like, what? Yeah, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. PG-13 or whatever it was. That That's, like, I liked the movie. It was great. That's what stuck out to me the most about watching it recently was the warning in the beginning. Yeah. It's, it's a it's a thing. Uh, they're making it they're doing a sequel or something that's coming out i think in a co- in a year or two but i think i heard about that yeah mm-hmm. all right so i know it's been a long time since we read the novel i did some research because i don't remember it being all that different when i saw it in the theater I, obviously there were some oh. differences like there's a couple of different i remember from the book that weren't in the movie that i was disappointed in yep but most of the storyline is is pretty similar um like for example ellie is a lot younger in the book than she actually is she's just she's a graduate student essentially as opposed to like a, a, a like an equal with Dr. almost Lee. like a peer yeah yeah it's more of a mentor mentee situation than like a relation than a, sex, a, a romantic relationship grant basically looks the same he uh he's he doesn't he doesn't necessarily dislike children in the book he's a little bit more friendly but i think that's just kind of like to make him seem like the the curmudgeon that turns into a heart of, you know, shows off he's got the heart of gold. The, let's see, Dr. Wu is way bigger in the book. And I do remember him being like a very, I would I, I would even say they've kind of tried to make up for that when they did the Jurassic World trilogy. Yeah, but I feel like part of that too, and the book spent so much time on this theoretical science, right? Like he was a major part of explaining it and being there as connected. Like I, I just remember that being a big part of the, the book. In the movie, they basically replaced that with a 30-second DNA cartoon. <laughs> like, yeah. here's where we have music. And, right. Uh, or like, that, that I think he's like 50 pages of book crammed into two. He's books. the only character that's been in every single movie. Mm-hmm. Well, here's a yeah. big change. In the books, he dies. And I don't know if you remember that or not. He gets killed. He actually gets killed by a raptor. Nedry and Arnold also both die pretty much the same way. But in the books, Muldoon and Gennaro both both survive at the end of the at the end of the story which i kind of forgot about 
John yeah. also dies in the I do remember that. I remember Hammond getting it. I, I think I remember that. Yeah. That was my favorite part of the book, I think. Is he and that you you know they adapted this in one of the later movies. It didn't make it into the first cut because obviously he survived, but you know, he was out in the jungle and there's some of these compies around, like the really small dinosaurs about chicken size, and he's kind of just dismissive of them, and then they basically overwhelm him and, and kill him. And it was there's a good story for, you know, like there's 40 of these things used. There's nothing you're going to be able to do, even if it is the size of a chicken. Yeah. Well, it, it chases him down. He falls off a hill, basically. And that's how he, so he dies in the book. That's obviously a huge, huge, huge departure from it. The big thing that I remember it not having in the movie was the scene where Grant, Lexi, and Tim are on the river and are basically being chased by the T-Rex. That That was my favorite part of the book. Because I just remember that was such an epic, and they're in the waterfall, and it's it's really like a back and forth of them trying to escape this T Rex chasing them all all the way down. Um, but obviously, apparently, they they cut it out because it would have been really tough to shoot it. And I think that's pretty much it. A lot of these other things they go a little bit more into like the Isla Nubar and Isla Sonar in the books. They don't really mention that very much in the movie, if at all. And there's a lot more technical stuff in the in the book, obviously, but. You know, I think if you look at, I mean, I've got 12 differences and that's pretty, that's not a lot, especially considering how epic that the novel is. All right. Before we move on and we get to the categories, the one last thing we got to talk about is a Mr. Steven Spielberg. So when I say Steven Spielberg, is there, is there anything that in particular comes to mind? E.T. E.T. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah really okay yeah, that's that's the that's the first thing i mean obviously he's done a lot more than that like i could say indiana jones but like that was the first thing that came to my head was et mm -hmm. well he has okay I'm, I'm curious how many academy awards do you think he's got one well that's a good guess i would have said three three oh, that, that is, that is, really no that's the right answer he has three he has 23 nominations, three wins. He's has 209 award wins, period, across all the different award shows with 325 nominations. I mean, that's fucking crazy. Can anybody guess what his three wins were? Schindler's List. Forrest Gump. No, that was Robert Zemeckis. So Schindler's List is correct. He actually won Best Director and Best Picture, so that's two. And there's one more movie he won Best Director for. Hmm. Is it Jurassic Park? It's not Jurassic Park. I'll use the I'll, Jurassic Park. I'll use the word uh, epic. It's an epic. It's a war epic that he directed. <laughs> oh, uh, Saving Private Ryan. Thank you, Saving Private Ryan. I was, my next clue was going to be some type of uh, pornography uh, twist on the title to help you out there, but Saving Private Ryan. He was you hear that anyway? What's saving privates or saving Ryan saving Ryan's privates? Saving Ryan's privates. I like that. <laughs> he he's been nominated though a handful of other times too. He was nominated for Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Raiders of the Lost Ark, E.T., Color Purple, Munich, Letters from Iwo Jima, War Horse, Lincoln, Bridge of Spies, The Post, West Side Story, and The Fablemans. So even most just a few more nominations, yeah. Yeah, pretty a handful. I feel like a couple of those could have easily won too. I mean, those are that's not like a crappy list of films. No, any. not at all. I, I mean, I, I would say, especially Close Encounters, Raiders, and ET. I mean, those are top three movies of all time, I would think. 
So what a year he has. He actually does Jurassic Park, leaves Jurassic Park to go start filming Schindler's List, and then is editing Sh- uh, Jurassic Park while on the set of Schindler's List. So he had one hell of a 1993. Which that's, a, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty good year. Pretty good year. Okay, so let's get into the categories. First category is the summary category. According to IMDb, a pragmatic paleontologist touring an almost complete theme park on an island in Central America is tasked with protecting a couple of kids after a power failure causes the park's clone dinosaurs to run loose. It debuted June 11th, 1993, and has a runtime of two hours and seven minutes. I don't remember it being that long, um, but no. also it doesn't feel like it's over two hours long. No, it moves fast. Yeah, we'll get to- it gets into it very quickly. Like, there's only there's not a ton that happened. I mean, there's kind of the intro. Remember, like the, the Velociraptor injures or kills right, the yep. handler, right? And then yep. they until like getting everyone on the island, and within 20 minutes, you've got a dinosaur on the screen, or 30 minutes, you know. And then it's it's action packed till the end. I feel like from there, yeah, it teaches you how they did it, and then all of a sudden you're in the park, and they're and then you're on the tour, and then all hell breaks loose. Yep. Yeah, and that the last hour just flies by. The BS rankings, Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 91% with an audience score of 91%. And IMDb, fucking IMDb, gives it an 8.2. What, I mean, that's it? That? Yeah, that's crazy. Slacking. Really shitty. The Spielberg Award for directing, we already mentioned Steven Spielberg, obviously. Mm-hmm. The Tarantino Award for writing. So this was, again, based on the novel by Michael Crichton. He did a ton of bunch of stuff with genetic modification, we already kind of mentioned Andronomous Strain, but also Westworld really tackles that as well. He also wrote the screenplay along with David Kep. And I just wanted to put some of the stuff he did as well, wrote screenplays for it, because he's got a really unique um, history of, of movies that he's adapted. He does Toy Soldiers, Death Becomes Her, like talk about like back and forth different. Carlito's Way, Mission Impossible, Snake Eyes, one of my favorites, Stir of Echoes, Spider-Man. War of the Worlds, Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull, Angels and Demons, and then Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. So he's pretty much been... Yeah, he can pretty much do anything. I mean, those, like, He's all those, over the place. Yeah, he's all over the place. Carlito's Way is an amazing movie. Yeah, you've got action in here. You've got... I mean, you've got IP with Spider-Man. You've got, obviously, the Indiana Jones. You've got horror with Stir of Echoes. Death Becomes Here is a, is a comedy. Com- comedy. Yeah, that's a hilarious movie. So I think that's one of my dad's favorite movies ever. Mm, it's so good. Jana quotes that. I don't, I don't know the quotes that well because I've only seen it a handful of times, but it comes up often. The Tom Hanks Best Leading Role Award. So I've got three nominees. Sam Neill, who plays Grant. Here's a fun fact. In the movie, he actually started out trying to use an American accent, but eventually Spielberg essentially said, just do your New Zealand ac- accent. And then they that was too strong, so they kind of landed on something in the middle. It's funny that you said that because as I was rewatching it, I was trying to figure out like what kind of accent is that? It's like South. It's like, <laughs> it's like I grew up in South Africa and then moved to New Zealand, kind of like random. That, that's pretty much what was happening. <laughs> it was dumb down your New Zealand accent, but don't try and pull off an American accent because you're butchering. It. Yeah, you sound fake. Laura Dern plays Ellie, and apparently, uh, basically, her agent said, "Hey, this is a Spielberg film," and she didn't even ask. She said, "Yep." I'm in, whatever it is. And then Jeff Goldblum. That's a good, that's a good strategy. I would say that should always be the Generally. strategy. Generally. Yeah. And then finally, we've got Jeff Goldblum, who plays Ian Malcolm. 
Who's your favorite, Kegel, of those three? I, so, I mean, I think Cleary, like Grant and Ellie are the, the main one and two, but I'm a big fan of Malcolm here. Like, I think he's he's a dynamic character. He's kind of a goofball. It brings a lot of comedic relief to it. I mean, he's he does a lot of monologuing, which I really like about him in the movie. Yeah. And he, he's just very much himself. And if you've seen Jeff Goldblum in a lot of other movies, I think he's basically playing himself in this one and just kind of doing what he does. And I, I'm a big fan of the way he approaches the the role. He's it's it's hard to see him on screen and not just kind of chuckle. Yeah, yeah, the whole time, the whole time. I try, like, well, I mean, I know we're going to talk favorite quotes here in a bit, but mine's definitely from him. Mm-hmm. I just think he's neat. He's a funny guy. He definitely steals the show. What do you got, Lambert? I mean, I agree on Jeff Goldblum because he just balances the whole movie out. Mm-hmm. As well, far you know, as I'm concerned, you need, you need. He actually, it's interesting. <clears throat> almost multiple roles. He plays the comedic relief. But then he also almost plays like the he's like the moral backbone of like what's actually happening. Well, and that's what I mean. That's really what I mean by like balancing the movie out is like because you've got all these people like. It's 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 one of the quotes and it might be OK, well, this might be your favorite quote, but it's, you know, it's the whole quote of like people were so concerned about whether they could or not. They never stopped to think of whether they should. And that's kind of that's kind of the role that he takes the entire movie of like basically the checks and balances of like oh it's this it's like guys yeah, so are you really thinking about what you're doing like are you are you really sure that this is the right thing that you to do and and that's really what i meant by like balancing it but as far as like the lead i mean it's 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 sam neil yeah he, he i mean I, I think you're right about the jeff goldblum impact of the movie i wonder if he maybe falls into a different category later later on because Sam Neill is the action, so I think Sam Neill probably would take should take this this award. But Goldblum's going to get his he's going to get his mm-hmm. award. Later I, I guess that you know Sam Sam Neill definitely Grant and Ellie are part one and two. Grant spends the most you know he's the one taking the kids through the jungle and doing all the things like he's definitely the the guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Next category: the other four Jacksons. So I've got Richard Attenborough who plays Hammond. He's in a ton of stuff, and I think that's one of those names that everyone probably recognizes. I don't know if like the new generation recognizes it, but the main things I recognized him from are Miracle on 34th Street and The Great Escape. But I think if you asked our parents, they probably would have a litany of more things of what he's known. They'd say a lot more things, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I feel like this is one of those guys that's like a legendary actor who's kind of an aging character when we were growing up, and uh, you know, I passed away, I think, in 2014 or 2015, and it's been gone for a while, but yeah, obviously he's, he's been in a ton of stuff and really neat guy. And uh, just not not a lot of movies that I've, you know, really cared about when I was growing up. Yeah, nicknamed Dicky, and he did the same thing that Laura Dern did, which is basically you want to be in a Spielberg movie. He said, "Yep, sign me up." <laughs> we got Joseph Mazzello who plays Tim. He really hasn't been in a ton of things, but he was in something cool that I really enjoyed. It's not as good as the original miniseries, but The Pacific. Did you guys see The Pacific? Yes, mm-hmm. he's like the main. He's like the main guy, basically, in that. And then we Sledgehammer. Got... Yeah, that's right. is that his name in it? Really? Well, that's his nickname, is Sledgehammer. Well done, I love it. And then we've got Ariana Richards who plays Lex. She was picked because of her scream. Like literally, they did a test and they said scream, blood curdling, and they're, yep, you're in. She's she got nailed. a good scream. Yeah, she nailed it. She does. She breaks down pretty well. All right, so of the three. Who's our and again? If there's more nominees, by all means, shout them out. But I thought those were those are kind of the main people that are in the movie the second most behind the three leads. 
I, I got to go with Hammond here at Attenborough. I think, you know, just great job with the show. He came off as like a very, you know, kind of jovial, old, kind of jolly guy that was trying to do the right thing for the right reasons. And just really fucked it up honestly like it, it wasn't he wasn't malicious he wasn't trying to do anything negative he wasn't some you know ridiculous baron trying to make a bunch of money he cared and he seemed to care about the people and about his grandkids and he just bumbled his way into this you know complete monstrosity of a theme park he does play the conflicted role very well he does uh, yeah mm -hmm. I, I gotta go attenborough too do you got a different person lambert i was gonna go joseph mazzello mazzello oh. I mean, I will say for kid actors, like they are pretty, pretty, pretty awesome. He does pretty good. He does pretty well. Especially just little, the little things like, I don't know if those little things, but like when, when he gets shocked and he's on the fence, but then the rat, like the next like 20 minutes, his hair is just like completely poofed. And those yeah, he walks around all stiff with his little stiff legs and everything. He looks, I mean, he really, really believable that he's been electrocuted. <laughs> Well, in, in Ariana Richards, that scene where she's eating the jello and you can see the T-Rex kind of creeping up behind. She just, uh, I mean, that whole, that whole the chase. The spoon starts shaking. Them two yep. getting chased by the velociraptors there at the end is pretty freaking incredible. Oh, they when, really she, do. when she's in the, the little dishwasher, like the commercial dishwasher, like trying to pull it down and the thing is running on the floor and it, it's a reflection. Like I, I remember in the theater the first time I saw it having like a really like my feet were up on the chair reaction out of that <laughs> yeah that part and then the part when they fall through the the, the ceiling and they get pulled yeah. up like both and times it comes and it that. comes up yeah mm -hmm. and it comes right at and the <laughs> velociraptor jumps right at you yeah still jump mm -hmm. no it's coming still jump yeah it's so great and i think that's also we didn't really mention that but it's also a main component to what makes this so great to see in the theaters was just that that atmosphere and the sound editing and there are a lot of jumpable moments, even at the beginning, even the first part where you've got this mysterious creature. You don't even know what it is. Just sucking a dude in that cage. Mm -hmm. You're like, he's gone. Whoa, that, this, this started. Yeah. This started oh, pretty intense. Well, ah. well, that guy died. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. All right. So having said all that, Rich and Edinburgh got to win that one. Backup singers. So some deep cut characters. We got Wayne Knight, who plays Nedry which you probably know him best from as Newman from, from uh, Seinfeld. B.D. Wong plays Wu. He's uh, also best well-known from probably Law and Order. Also a show I really like, Mr. Robot. Bob Peck plays Muldoon. Martin Ferrero plays Gennaro. Kind of fun. He he was in a whole bunch of random things, but he <clears throat> kind of a bit art, bit art, uh, bit actor. But he was also made a, had a part in Plain Strange Automobiles, Heat, and also Oscar. And then finally we got Sam Jackson, who plays Arnold. Lambert, I, you, you, go ahead. Yeah, I'd like to go about this a little bit backwards and tell you, like, Martin Ferraro's Gennaro, like, I, you know, I've seen this movie 13 times in the theater. We've already established that when I was younger. Lots of times <laughs> over the years since then. I recently watched Heat, and I, like, didn't re recognize him at all in that movie until I rewatched Jurassic Park. And this, I was like, hey, that's the guy from Heat. Like, so that that is not my guy. <laughs> yes. Not your guy. Not, <laughs> not that he did a bad job. I mean, I'm sure he, you know, for what he, the role he played, he did fine. He but, has a great death scene, one of the more memorable death scenes in the movie, for sure. Yes, he does. Of all, that's time. a good one. Maybe of all time. Yeah, he's been getting eaten off of a toilet in, the, in any movie ever. It just doesn't happen. Pretty great. Logan, Logan my son, thought that was hilarious. By the way, <laughs> well, that's. I think it is. It, it, it's it's meant to be kind of scary and intense, and then 
you kind of it's hard not to just laugh out loud at it because you because you you know he's the bad well, guy he, corporate money you want it you don't you know he's the he's the blood sucking lawyer yeah and the and the t- just like I, I mean the we're getting off track but who cares just the mannerisms of the t-rex itself or kind of like it kind of sits up and it's like its tail starts to wag it's like oh look at this (laughs) (laughs) on a silver platter yeah lambert who you got for uh your favorite of the backup singers i got wayne knight i got nedry yeah he's so fucking annoying he's he's but he's so good at it though He, he does he plays it off so well he's such a weasel Everything he says, you're like, this guy. He's is just a smart ass. Such a smart ass dickhead. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah, you got, you got a different choice. I, I have Samuel L. Jackson here, and I, I I do think that Nedry is a great choice, and I I love you know as he's like getting up, he's running his code to shut down the system so he can go to steal the embryos, and he's all like flop sweat and everything. He, he has some great scenes. Samuel L. Jackson, when he's going into the hacking scene, like to try to reverse engineer what he's done, he's got the cigarette butt. It's like it's lit, all the way down, down to the all the way down. Like, I know that feeling, and like, I, like he's just talking through what he's doing, you know. He's, he's hate so this good. hacker bullshit. <laughs> Please, motherfucker. <laughs> that's what you wanted to say. I he doesn't say it, but that's what you wanted to say. It would be better if he did. Yeah, I, I I wish I only wish he was in it more. I think mm-hmm. that, and I guess he has a deep cut character, so I suppose that that kind of defeats the purpose of the yeah, category. Yeah, and I would say personal favorite for me, but yeah, obviously Nedry's a much bigger part of the story overall. I think because of the we get to see Nedry die, I think that's why he wins. He wins this category because his death scene is. Yeah, I mean, you get to see that you do identify the body of uh, of Samuel Jackson there. Well, his yeah, you arm- get to see his arm. <laughs> Obviously, it says he's the only African American movie. So, yeah, yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Okay, the John Williams category for music. Well, John Williams, in fact, was the composer for this. He actually scored the movie at the end of February 1993 and recorded a month later. He felt that he needed time to, or he wanted to write pieces that convey a sense of awe and fascination, given it dealt with the overwhelming happiness and excitement that would emerge from seeing live dinosaurs like even though there's obviously some pretty intense moments it is a generally like it's like this is this this look like this awe and wonder like you get that feeling as you're watching it like when totally you the, the brontosaurus or the brachiosaurus now they call them brachiosauruses right not brontosaurus anymore. They call it brachiosaurus. i mean there, i think there's two there it's two different species okay I think they decided one of them actually never existed, but we can come back to that in a later time. So, I, I, sure. I, I trust you. You're, you're I, right. I believe you. Pluto's not a planet either, by the way. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's bullshit. We, we need an episode on that. because <laughs> I actually taught myself how to play the main title on a piano back in the day when we had a piano at our house. I was very proud. used to use it a parlor. Very cool. That's right. I thought it was cool. Maybe not so much anymore. Okay, next category, scenes to nerd out on. So I'm going to rattle through these and feel free to add more if I forgot. There's actually a lot. I got like 20, but I'm going to say them pretty quick. First one, but I have a question though. The first scene, we already mentioned it, the raptor transfer. Can you guys think of a more intense, like almost like sets the bar opening scene of a film? I've got some nominees to give you and you may think of some on your own. So I got Scream with Drew Barrymore, like that basically like she's the main person on the poster and she gets 
killed in like the first 10 minutes. The Dark Knight with Joker. The Matrix with with uh, Trinity on the phone trying to find. Yeah, we got Inglorious Bastards. I think that's a pretty cool opening scene with. Um, yeah, with with what's his name? The uh, I can't think of his name right now. The hunt. They go to the house and they and they're he's, he's trying. He's the Jew hunter, right? And they and they they find the. Uh, the yeah, the, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. The little girl goes running off. Anyway, Jaws. Just the opening scene of Jaws and that girl. I mean, you don't even just see like anything. around in the water. Yeah, just all of a sudden dead. And then I also have uh, Saving Private Ryan and storming the beaches. The, of... the D-Day scene? Yeah, that's kind of intense. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not going to be a ton of help. I don't have a lot of thoughts outside of what you mentioned. Jaws is the one that popped into my head originally because that was just so... I mean that was terrifying. If you're if you're yeah. afraid of dark water, and I don't know who would go into dark water at night, and like I definitely would not do that. But um, you mentioned Inglorious Bastards, and that brought back like the the flood of uncomfortable energy that I felt when I was watching that scene when he was sitting in the living room and just having this conversation with T. Mm-hmm. Pretty terrifying. Um, but this is yeah, this is pretty serious. Switching to English, yeah. That's definitely the more, most psychologically disturbing opening scene, I think. But as far as like action, yeah, I think Jaws is, is right up there. Same Private Ryan is, I mean, talk about yeah, set and set. I mean, I mean, three of these are from from Spielberg. Yeah, good point. Okay, now I'm gonna rattle through. We got Ellie and Grant at their site. They meet with Hammond. Nedry meets with Dodgson, and uh, basically Dodgson, Dodgson. We got Dodgson here. <laughs> the Helicopter ride, and the first time we meet Malcolm, and he's talking about chaos theory. First time we see the dinosaurs in the Jeep, welcome to Jurassic Park, and then the music kind of starts booming. The whole learning about the DNA sequencing and kind of escaping from the lab and meeting the baby Velociraptor. Let's see, at dinner, and Malcolm again is talking about like ethics and is this something that they should have done. Now we meet Nedry again, and he's talking about how disgruntled he is and not happy with everything that's going on. Trying to tempt the T-Rex with the goat. Jana, quote, said this is her least favorite part. She's not a fan of that part. Poor goats. We exit the truck. We go check on the Stegosaurus. That's kind of a separate part. And that's when people get separated. Or Ellie does. Triceratops. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. Was it a Triceratops? It's a Triceratops. Oh, I don't know why I thought it was Stegosaurus. Okay. There you go. Triceratops. Nedry starts the bug and goes to escape. I just, I just put T-Rex. That's the next scene. That whole part. The whole T-Rex scene, yeah. With, with, the, with the explorers and the coming out of the fence and all, yeah. And yeah. killing Gennaro and eating the car the, and knocking over all. Top to bottom. Whole, that, that entire sequence, yeah. yeah when they're like, it, it, they're, oh, I'm sorry, I'm going to nerd out for a minute. <laughs> when they're like, when they've got the light and they're fighting over it and it's shining out the sunroof and the, the T-Rex head comes down. Oh, oh, man, that was just amazing. And it even I mean it's animatronic and it even breaks the glass that they've got and it's just yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, pretty pretty awesome. Nedry, the part where Nedry dies. And fun fact, there actually is no they don't have any evidence right now that the Dilophosaurus actually did spit venom, but it's still the best part of the movie. <laughs> and I think the best part of the book too. No evidence that they've cloned anything from mosquitoes either. So Right. Right, exactly. Yeah, we uh, let's go ahead and uh, yeah. just should have disbelief. Let's 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 suspend I mean, belief for just a second. Yeah, we've got the the trees and they're and they're hanging out with the uh, the brachiosaurus. Brachiosaurus. Ice cream and with Hammond and Ellie. 
And again, they're talking about their like their their loved ones being missing. He gives his flea circus speech on how he got started. Yeah, like yeah. I think that's where you feel like he's genuine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this next part, I wrote down montage because there's a lot of like really short little clips, and it's basically Ellie is going to turn on the electricity. She finds Muldoon dead. Arnold gets killed. Clever girl. That quote. The fence is getting electric, getting turned on. Like there's all like a whole like rapid fire of scenes, and they're all kind of where they're all at. I have the raptor chase with the kids. Mm-hmm. T Rex saves the day, and then just kind of the ending, leaving with the pterodactyl. Favorite scene, Kegel. You, you hit everything. Everything I had written down for like these are the scenes that I think I would love to nerd out on, and I, I think. It's the beginning and the end for me. And and there's lots of fantastic things in the middle. All the things you mentioned are great. When they first, they you know, they're in the Jeeps, they first see the dinosaurs and they can see yep. the dinosaurs and they like identify. And then when they, when he says, welcome to Jurassic Park, and he pans out and they hit the music on that. It's just, that's, that's what hooked me on the movie in the beginning. And then at the end, you know, when T-Rex comes and saves the day, he throws that last raptor after the fight and he just like, turns and faces the camera and just roars it like breaks that kind of fourth wall and that's yeah that well and then like the like the falls yeah the banner falls yeah, when yeah, dinosaurs yeah. rule the world it falls yeah, right yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. amazing yep great shot <clears throat> that is a great shot you missed two okay so one of the other like one of the scenes that that i wrote down was like again at the very beginning before they meet hammond and Grant explaining the Raptors to the brat, mm. to that brat kid of like, oh, it's lightly bobbing its head and and then it attacks you. Um, so I like that scene. And then actually seeing the Raptors for the first time, because like he sees the baby and he's like, what species is this? And it's like you bred Raptors. And then like you kind of see, you don't see anything. You just hear it. Yeah. And you can kind of see his reaction to it. And then you meet Muldoon for the first time and like, and all that stuff. So I like that scene too, but I agree with Kego, like, especially on the first one, like when they, when, when they first see the dinosaurs for the first, like for the first time, when they're just going roaming the countryside in the park, like that's a good one. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I think it elicited like a verbal woe for me. Like the first time you see it is just so impressive. And, and your point, Lambert, on the Velociraptor, the baby Velociraptor scene, we talked about how important music and the score is to the film on this. If you watch it again, they like the, the music really intensifies right when they identify the species and it sets the tone for the whole movie. Like they're like, you know, I get serious about like, wow, you bred raptors and the music just sets the tone for this is a super dangerous animal, but it's still like kind of in his hand and they're petting it. And it's it's just a little baby. Yeah, a little baby, but it's, yeah. Yeah, and I'm gonna say that you guys. I mean, that I think that as parents now too, as dads, I bet that I that probably is even more like special to see those scenes, like the epicness of these dinosaurs being brought to life, especially with little kids now. I don't know how you don't vote for the T-Rex scene though. That fucking that whole part is like so intense. Everything about it, just the build up to the you only you see you see the goat missing and you see the hand kind of coming over and then all of a sudden you see this like gigantic t-rex like coming out the only the only thing i had about that scene is i'm not sure i understand the, the, the like how it all works because he seemingly is on level with everyone with with, with the yeah there's a lot of like how did the car fall over the ledge that and there's this big ledge up. like I, I was a little confused by that but 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 i but i did after talking it over with jana maybe there is in his cage, there is a ledge and the 
the car happens to be at the ledge part. I don't know. It didn't make sense when I was little. It made less sense when I watched it again the other night. But I don't I, think you should look that deep into it. And there's all like he moves around a lot. Like there, you know, it's, it's obviously not cut in sequence yeah. because like you know he comes out, he walks between the cars, they go to the next car, and then he walks between the cars again. Like you know, so it's it's just enjoy the movie. No, no, I know. And there, there's so I mean, there's some funny parts in it too. You've got Malcolm trying to save the day, but he doesn't know what he's doing, so he like does the thing. And he's freeze, and he goes, "You get the kids," and he throws it, and he doesn't know why the T Rex is still chasing him. Yeah, <laughs> he thought he figured it out. Idiot. Uh, yeah, he's stupid. Okay, next category: the Heath Ledger Award for scene stealing. Speaking of, I've got two nominees here, and I and I think one should win, but I wanted to give honorable mention. We got Jeff Goldblum, Ian Malcolm, mm-hmm. and I also, I also put in here the T Rex. <laughs> I put the Raptors. And the Raptors, okay. <laughs> I had the T Rex as the scene there. Coming out at the end, when you think they're dead, you know, and the Raptors like doing this, kind of like lunging back and forth. Uh, and then T Rex just grabs him out of the air. <clears throat> yeah, saves Total. the day. Yeah, saves the day. Okay, so if we're doing dinosaur, it's T Rex. If we're doing human, we can. It's Chef Wolbum. <laughs> All right. Okay, Dante's Peak. So basically, is this the best thing that ever came out? based or is this the best thing someone ever did so first first one i've got is movies about dinosaurs is this the peak for that i just said yes i don't have any i think yeah okay all right yeah so sam neill believe it or not he the dude has 149 credits that's a shit ton of things he's been in some of the major ones that i found hunt for october he does that in 1990 he does this in 93 he does event horizon in 90s, I knew you were gonna fucking say that goddamn movie. <laughs> I mean, you gotta put it on there. He does the tutors in 2007, and then he does Peaky Blinders from 2013 to 14. Is there anything I'm forgetting, or is there what do you guys think his peak is? I, I think it's this, but it, I mean, it could be something else. It's it's this, okay. Is are we talking about his performance or the movie overall? His career, we're talking about his career. Is this the best? role that he played or is this the best movie that he was is in? this the most well-known sam wins when was sam neil the best most, known? Well, yeah when is... most popular yeah okay all right laura dern i mean i, I just put yes i, I don't really he's, he's a little things, but... i don't know what else she's been in yeah so that's definitely this then jeff goldblum is a little harder so yeah because he had the fly yeah so he's got the fly in 86 he's got this in 93 He's also got Independence Day in '96. That's yeah. That's and just to maybe that's... help us help us pick '96. He also was nominated for uh, best Oscar, best short film, live action for a, a short film called Little Surprises, also in '96. I think think '96 was a big year for Jeff Goldblum. I think so. so he was too. He wasn't quite at his peak. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, he's making a comeback though. Right now, he's in. He's in. Uh, he was in four and now he's in all those whatever it is hotels.com commercials or something i'm just saying he's back into like the pop culture lexicon a little bit back in the game with hotels.com that's right he's, he's making money he's, he's making more money than i am probably yeah that's yeah. true uh so michael crichton i don't i mean i'll, I'll, I'll rattle these off again but it's probably is this, but at the same time, we've got so I'm gonna kind of book and movie. He does the Andromeda Strain book and it's in 69. I realize that's how old that book is. He does the Westworld movie in 73, Congo book in 80, Sphere book in 87, this book in 90, 
Then he makes this movie in 93. He makes Rising Sun movie in 93. He does ER from 94 to 2009. Congo in 95. Twister in 96. Fear movie in 98. And then the most recent Westworld show. 93. I mean, with, if you got this and you got Rising Sun, and then that that like buds up to ER starting. That's a, yeah. That's a, yeah. You're, you're trying to pick the year, like the moment in the career is what you're saying. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's actually, 93. If you were to pick the thing that maybe is the best known to anyone, you maybe say ER, but I'm not sure everyone knows that Michael Crichton like created ER. I'm not sure. I mean, he's not. Uh, right. I, I I can guarantee you no one, like not everybody knows that. Yeah. I've got the next uh, nominee, Spielberg. I personally think 93 is his peak. Um, I know it's hard to say that considering he won Academy Awards later on for you know multiple movies but i don't know 93 is a pretty big year 93 94 with this and with schindler's list and hard to beat that i just said yes so i'm i'm just gonna stick with you unless anyone wants to argue against it i, I don't think. know yeah i mean i think that's a that's a tough one because he's done so much for so long but it's yeah, he has done a lot yeah <clears throat> okay this next one is jurassic park ip and there's a shit ton of Jurassic Park stuff out there. I didn't realize it until I started going down this rabbit hole. It's crazy. So in 1990, Universal Pictures and Amblin Entertainment buys the rights to Jurassic Park from Crichton. There are, first of all, the original book, if you didn't know this, sold over 9 million copies, which is obviously a lot. And they're also, there's also a sequel, two sequels actually. The Lost World came out in 95 and then another book came out called The Evolution of Claire in 2018. There's three short stories. There are now six films. All of them have soundtracks that you can buy. There's multiple short films, an animated series. There was a play that came out in 2019. I think it's important to mention the theme parks at Universal Studios. 96, Jurassic Park, The Ride. Now all the new Jurassic World there's six more rides, and, and I'll tell you right right now, Velocicoaster that came out in 2021 is the best roller coaster I've ever been on. Nope, never gonna where, do it. Where is that? That's at Universal Studios Orlando. Okay. Never gonna it do it. Amazing. There yep. are a ton of toys, video games. There, I, I I found 25 different video games, and at that point, I just kind of stopped. But they started making video <laughs> games for the for Sega in 1993 and the NES. Damn right. And then they, all the way up to, they've got one that just came out this year, or it's coming out this year in 2023, 25 video games. So having said all that, what do we think the peak of Jurassic Park intellectual property is? It's got to be sometime shortly after Jurassic World came out. Like, I don't think, like, obviously the original movie made a lot more money in the theaters, a lot more money in the box office, and is. I think a classic and the best one in the series overall. But Jurassic World was released kind of mainstream for kids in this, you know, and now it's been streaming for a long time. Like if I look at what our kids want to watch and what families are doing, like that's, it's very much like Owen and the Raptors. Yeah. Lego has, has released a version of it. You've got all kinds of, of stuff out there. They're they're obsessed. I think that's got to be the the peak of it. Yeah, I, I mean, I would agree. I think that... I want to say this one, but I, it's got to be Jurassic World. Just, just because it, of, it almost it almost can't be this one because this one kicked it off. Yeah, this was the beginning, right? Like, like I think it, it it made a shitload of money, but like 
it also set off every everything that you just listed happened because this movie was made. Well, right now I, I could argue maybe that this book and this movie is actually the peak of quality, but as far as peak of revenue being generated, location and revenue, absolutely not. Yes, commercial. Yeah, yeah. It's just two single things. I agree. The book and the movie original, but if it's everything else, if anything we've learned from Star Wars, the movies aren't what makes the mo- what makes the money. It's the it's the merchandise, the ancillary products, all that other stuff that <clears throat> you make your your money. Okay. You'd be you'd be amazed with how much Jurassic World gear and toys and things I could come up with right now. And like, if you give me a scavenger hunt, I could come back with a laundry basket full of Jurassic World toys. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because they even show that like in the Jurassic World movie, where like people are just there. It's all over. It's a little bit in the Jurassic Park movie, but like Jurassic World, it's there's merch everywhere in that film. Yeah, it's it is fun. They really really into it. Yeah, like the end fight with the Indominus Rex is like in the gift shop. Yeah, that's that's pretty hilarious. Yeah. And they've got all they've got all the cups and like the 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 yeah yeah, yeah yeah okay everything logoed and branded. All right, next category: Quoth the Raven. Favorite quotes. So let's do it this way, since there's three of us. Let's just take turns saying them, and then we can kind of pick our favorite at the end. So I'm going to start. Mine's a two-parter between Hammond and between Malcolm. He says. All major theme parks have delays. When they opened Disneyland in 1856, nothing worked. And Malcolm replies with, yeah, but John, the Pirates of the Caribbean breaks down. The Pirates don't eat the tourists. Yeah. That was on my list. I mean, mine's like one of my favorites is a short one that I still use today and nobody recognizes and I have to explain constantly is hold on to your butts. I, yes. That's a good <laughs> one. That's a good one. That's a good one. Another one-liner. Um, from you must go faster you must go faster <laughs> I, well, I'll, I'll, I'll can we pause on that like yeah. he's like i'm uh, i'm fairly alarmed right now <laughs> no that's a that's well, a that's an impact tremor uh, yeah. sitting there by himself <laughs> monologuing as usual jeff goldblum just that talking amazing, to himself that amazing shot too in the objects and mirror close to the appear <laughs> like that's yeah exactly it's like on the thing yeah you, you yeah. had to know spielberg had to have if not like Oh, he totally. He had it was, it was all in his head of like, I got to do this. Like yeah. he had that scene in his head, like I got to work this into the movie somehow. Yeah. All right, I'll keep with the one-liners. Uh, Muldoon, clever girl. That's yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good way to go. <clears throat> Kegel. Um, I, I like when Tim. So towards the end and they're kind of you know trekking their way back to the visitor center and they're like he's, he's looking at the gallimimus and he's like oh look they're they're flocking together like birds trying to evade a predator and he goes they're um they're flocking they're, this way. they're flocking this way <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah uh now eventually you plan to have dinosaurs on your dinosaur tour right hello my love. hello i do hate that man <laughs> God creates dinosaurs. God destroys dinosaurs. God creates man. Man destroys God. Man creates dinosaurs. Dinosaurs eat man. Women inherits the earth. Yep. That's Jana's favorite. Kegel. That was it me again? Got any more? Yeah, yeah. I, Lambert mentioned this earlier, but you know, you you spend so much time trying to figure out if you could, you didn't stop to think if you should from Malcolm when he's talking about the the creation of the shoulders of geniuses and you did something mm-hmm. yep another another good one-liner 
that is one big pile of shit. <laughs> I was hoping you, that was going to be the one. Well, here's a good one-liner, and I want you guys to guess how many times you think it's said in the movie. We spared no expense. Mm, I'm going to go six times. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I have to. Def, I have to be different. So I'll say five. Five's the right answer. But good job. Ah, excellent good guesses best. for both. He, <laughs> I mean, he, he says it first in Montana, right? Like he he busts their five dollar dollar bottle of Moen Chino yep. champagne out of the refrigerator. Yeah. He's like spared no expense in the park. Yeah, spared no expense. He says it in the uh, when when it's the voice you're hearing is Richard Kiley. We yeah. spared no expense <laughs> on the ice cream. When it's it's good, we spared yeah. no expense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kegel, we we talked about it already. You know, out of a job, don't you mean extinct? Mm-hmm. That's that's the last one I had written down. I'm sure there's more. I had a couple more. I, I had a couple more, and it was, and it was really this one. The the, the sequences. I hate trees, and Lex is like, they don't bother me, and Tim's like, yeah, yeah. Well, you weren't in the last one. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty great. I have one that there's a few lines that lead up to it, but it ends with Grant asking Malcolm if he's married. And he says, occasionally, yeah, yeah I'm always on the lookout for the future Miss X or X. For, Miss for X. Yeah, X Miss Malcolm. Yeah, that's a good I've one said too. that before with replacing yeah. Malcolm with. Yeah are, you, yeah, are you married? Have you been married before? Occasionally. Occasionally. <laughs> that's, I'm going to start saying that if people ask me if I'm married. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I got, Occasionally. I, only, I, got, I think I got. One or two more. You got any more, Lambert? I mean, you can do the jokes. What, <laughs> what do you call a blind dinosaur? I don't. I don't remember them. Good. Do you think you saw us? Yeah. What do you call a blind dinosaur's dog? Do you, do you think, think you saw us, Rex? Rex? <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. I I do have the uh uh uh. You didn't say the magic word. Uh uh uh. Shit. <laughs> And the last, the last quote I have is is Hammond goes, find Nedry, check the vending machines. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's a good one. <laughs> well, I'm gonna tell you my favorite. It's hold on to your butts. Hold on to your butts is my favorite. Yeah. I'm gonna have to go with that is one big pile of shit. That's also a good one. What's funny though about the hold on to your butts, though, I just watched the, the I know I've told both of you to watch this show. Definitely you Lambert a few times. The show Mythic Quest on Apple Plus. But they even referenced that. They said at one point, he goes, hold on to your butts. And no one has any clue what he's talking about. It's See, like Jurassic Park. <laughs> you'll be you'll be you'll be proud of me, Hildebrand. I started Succession. I'll take it. I'll take it. Succession is a fantastic, fantastic show. It's, pr- it's pretty good. I'm almost done with season one. Oh, good. Oh, let me know what you think about the finale. Anyway, different, different conversation. Next category, you're canceled. What do we need to get rid of if this were to be remade today? I'm going to say we already kind of had some new ones. So like, obviously the update of technology is important. I don't know why they didn't make an exact, it's hard to make an exact replication of the book, but man, they, I just feel like they, that would be the difference now. If this was made in 2023, I think technology is caught up to what was on the pages. It may be more book accurate, even though, yeah. it's, even though it's still pretty accurate. Some of them, like again, the river scene, some other major scenes that couldn't be filmed back in the day could probably be made now. It would certainly enable some things. And like, even from like a story and a casting perspective, like I don't, there wasn't anything that felt like outdated as far as like, because this movie was made 30 years ago. Times have changed. Society has changed. Culture has changed. But like, 
uh, this, this movie it, doesn't it was, exactly pass the Bechdel test, I would say. Like, there's one female character who only speaks to men and doesn't have anything to say like, on her. Like, I mean, and she is a strong character in the movie. She does have it. She is. Movie. It's like, I think that's true, but there's no other female for her to speak to. Therefore, she cannot, like, they can't possibly pass. So I think you'd have to recast it with some additional characters or structure around that. But I may have misunderstood the assignment on this one because that's, I was thinking, like, what scene oh. could the movie be without? No, that, no, that's that's the same thing. Because I also wrote my other second thing. I wrote was just the word diversity. <laughs> like there, there probably needs to be a few more people of right. different genders, people of color. This the whole gamut. It's just a bunch of white people, mostly. Yeah, the, yeah, the only uh, well, there's a lot of Hispanic guys in the beginning, but I mean they're obviously digging. So. There's a bunch of white people yeah, and Samuel yeah, Jackson right. and B.D. Walker. <laughs> the workers, yeah, they're, they all have shovels in their hands. Like that's not. <laughs> That's not ideal. And then the only Asian guy in the movie, his name is Wu. Like you might want to add. Yeah, some of the names maybe could be updated as well. Other than that, yeah. though, I think I mean honestly, that, it stands up pretty well. I would say the, the story itself is all right. Casting, get it. Technology, mm -hmm. totally. But like the story still works. Okay. I think it still plays. Okay. Yeah, it holds up. I mean, the one thing I like. The, it, this always drives me crazy it has since the beginning and this is unrelated to pc or the changing of the times but when they go to climb over the electric fence the high voltage 30 foot high fence that they climb over because he can't fit through they're like we all have to climb over those kids could have just been like bloop you climb over the fence i'm just gonna go through right here where yeah. obviously I can just fit perfectly fine however yeah. it would have the movie i'm small quite a bit without him getting electrocuted so i get it right True. come on every time drives me crazy it does it does it's like this whole like yeah you can't fit through it we know that but everything yeah yeah you can't even fit your fat head through but tim could curl up in a ball and roll through if you want. yeah I, that was kind of funny i was like well maybe we can yeah it's like really like you think you're gonna just yeah and, and you're gonna squeeze through idiot i thought you had a phd get up there <laughs> not in fence climbing <laughs> next category our favorite category which is another Spider-Man again. So this is being remade today. Not what changed to make the film, but who are we casting for these roles? So let's start with Hammond, who, by the way, is Attenborough is 70 years old at the time of this movie being filmed. I've got a couple nominees. I'm curious what you guys think. I got Gary Oldman, who is a fucking chameleon. Could do, he can do no wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I got Al Pacino. Yeah. And then my favorite, I think he's old and maybe aged out of this, but I also think he could pull it off is Anthony Hopkins. I, I Anthony Hopkins came to mind for me on this. I, I landed on Michael Caine. I think he'd be really funny in this role. Um he's got the Britishness too. He's got the Britishness. It's 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 defaulted in there for you already. Um, but yeah, Hopkins came to mind. Lambert, you always got some good ones. I have two different names. I have Bill Murray. <laughs> that would really that would really change the movie, but I change like the tone a little bit. Yeah, but he could he could do it though. And then the one that I like the most is Christopher Waltz. Oh, you mean Christoph Waltz? Christoph Waltz. Christoph yeah. Waltz. Yeah. Oh man. Inglorious Bastards. Waltz. Yeah, yeah, no. I, Django I, Unchained. Yeah. Him. I love that. Like I I picture him and Django with like the beard and like everything, like like that guy. That might be the winner. Lambert. Lambert wins again. He always wins this 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 uh, this game, by the way. He's always got the best choices. 
I should have been a casting director. <laughs> okay, Who so knew? now I have Grant. Uh, Grant was, by the way, 40 at the time. What do you think? So so here are my nominees. These are, these are 40-year-olds. Um, I've got Oscar Isaac. I'm trying to think of someone who is maybe... Ooh, that's key. a good one. Yeah. That's I, a good I, one. I, I like that one. Someone who is, can, can play like a really like quiet, collected guy, but then like spring into action if necessary. I got... James McAvoy. I'm not sure I like that one very much. Fast Fastbender is another person I kind of liked. Michael yep. And then my favorite though is is David Harbor. I, I don't even know who that is. Who's David Harbor? He is from Stranger Things. He's the the police officer. He's the oh name. yeah, yeah. He, he'd be great. He's in the he's in the Black Widow movie. Black he's Widow. In, I, know, I know. I I, re, I just rewatched um. Newsroom. And he he's in that too. There he's in that too. Yeah, a younger version. I yeah. like David Harbor a lot. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Those are my nominees. I would say cast that role as older and make it Brian Cranston. Oh. <laughs> oh, really man. older, much older, a little bit older. I mean, like you know, he can look younger or older. Like I, he looked a lot older. Oh, Brian Cranston is. I know he's old. He's he's seventy or something like that. But man, I'm gonna put Brian Cranston as a Hammond. We should have casted him as Hammond. <laughs> yeah, he could have done Hammond. Yeah, he's sixty-seven years old. Yeah, I know, but he's so but he's so good. You gotta put him in something. He right? is so good. Uh, I only had one name for for Grant. I had Andrew Scott. He plays Moriarty in the TV oh, show. Yeah. I, I, the only reason why I think he's he's maybe a little small, like like his his physical stature. He is a little small, but I liked his uh, like I like like kind of like like you just described like the quiet like personality and like I, I think he could play the role real well, but he might be a little small for it. But yeah. I liked him. But I do like um I like the Oscar Isaac one. That was good. I, I think I upon re, upon re looking at my list, I actually think Oscar Isaac is my favorite. I, David Harbour. I think that. I think I'm leaning towards Oscar Isaac. Now. Harbor might be too big because he's a big guy. He is. But that, that also might make for more of a, I don't know, bumbling scientist situation. I don't know. <laughs> Good. <laughs> okay. Ellie. So she was actually in her late 20s when this came out. Was she really? Yeah. But she didn't play she someone in her late 20s. She looked a lot older in the movie. She looked a lot. She played someone older. So I only have one nominee, and my nominee is Jennifer Lawrence. I had the same name. I had multiple nominees, but I had her written down too. Yeah, yeah. Scarlett Johansson. She could do that too. She's got the uh, the acting action chops. Action chops. Right. I was basically, honestly, this is going to sound so stupid. I was trying to think who would be the best person that does the run and then like limps to catch, you know, like that whole, I was like, who who could I envision doing that the best? Yeah, Jennifer Lawrence could, she could do that pretty well, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, now I think this is, and this is the last nominee. Wait, I, hold on. I, I, I have more. Oh, more. okay, more ladies, good. I have more for Ellie. So I also had Natalie Dormer. Mm. And then probably the one that I liked the most, I had Zazie Beats. Who's Zazie Beats? Zazzy Beats plays Domino in Deadpool 2. Oh, okay. I like that actually, especially if we're trying to like throw in some diversity there. Like throw in some diversity, but she's but she is like she can do the she can pull off the action and she can pull off a little bit of the comedy. 
Yeah. Maybe a little bit more comic relief because she could do that because she did that in Deadpool too. But I liked her as well. I think she'd be really good. I think if we're if we're if we're keeping basic white people, Jennifer Lawrence probably wins. But if we're if we're trying to if we're sticking with areas for diversity, I think <laughs> Zazzy Beats is good. The only other person I had here to recast, you guys probably have more, or maybe you have is is Malcolm. Like who do we recast for Malcolm? So uh at the time Goldblum was in his thirties. Like I think it was like mid thirties, so I got three. I got th- I have three nominees. I got Sam Clayton. You know who that is who's that? So you guys ever seen the? Well, if you, okay, if you watch like Hunger Games, he's like the the guy in like the second or third one. That's like the. I only saw the first. I only oh, saw the okay. first one. Well, did you ever see Daisy Jones in the Six? No. All right, whatever. He's a good actor. He's he's. Trust me, he'd be good. I have Nicholas Holt. I don't know who that is. Nicholas Holt is, he plays the, I'm trying to think of stuff you guys would know him from. He plays the Beast in the new X-Men movies. Like Days of Future Past Beast? Yes. Okay. All right. I gotcha. The first role, I believe, was actually like uh, oh, the movie with Hugh Grant back in the day. It doesn't matter. All right. The last one I have, since you guys don't even know who these people are, is Adam Driver. Okay. How about, Ryan, how about Ryan Reynolds? All right, that's bad. <laughs> I was to say none of my I didn't like any of these either of these two. You guys don't even know who the hell I'm talking about. So Ryan Reynolds is definitely a more but the problem like he, he, Ryan Reynolds could like hit that uh, he would bring another level of sarcasm to the comedic relief yeah. aspect of it. But I feel like oh, and like again, like I, I think he I'm pretty sure he's in like his forties or like he's pushing he's our age. He's man. he's all he's he's older than us. He's older than us, yeah. But honestly, like, you know, yeah, I may have misunderstood the assignment of like finding someone of the same age, but no, 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 that's usually where I start though. But doesn't mean that people can't like, I, I was gonna say 40 is the new 30. Like, he doesn't look like he's 45 or whatever he is. No, he he can, he, and honestly, like, who cares? Like, it, it's not like Ian Malcolm has to be a particular age. He's just a sign, he's a chaos theorist that is a smart ass. <laughs> so, yep. Ryan Reynolds fills, fits that. Uh, yeah. So I had I had one name written down and it was different from everybody. I had Daniel Radcliffe. You got you got a lot of little like a little a shorter people on all of your lists with uh, But I think he could do it. Make those velociraptors look ten feet tall. That's why. I'm not trying to judge. I'm just saying I think Daniel Radcliffe, Daniel Radcliffe would be all right. I think Ryan Reynolds though is the biggest smartass that we know right now, and I think could do a pretty good job but do you could he be smart people? i didn't want to i didn't want i didn't want to recast the kids because how do you recast a 10 year old or whatever like i thought about like i wrote them down and then i looked at them i'm like how, i don't know child actors to be able to do this i, I did know. i wrote down i wrote down arnold and i just said just cast samuel jackson again just do it again <laughs> don't yeah. change him just do that plays arnold same same role exactly yep, same role do it again all right, next category. To stream or not to stream? Is this better as a TV show? I wrote down two words. Absolutely not. I wrote down no. <laughs> now Lambert's always got a really elaborate. I, I I wrote down a little bit more than that. Tell but us in general, TV, I agree. Tell us the TV pitch, Lambert. <laughs> so, like, in I, I the first thing I said, it's hard for me not to imagine this as anything other than a movie. Yeah, but you could draw it out a little bit and maybe make it a miniseries. Like 
10 episodes, like short time box, because you can't make this a TV show that has multiple seasons. It's just not going to work. I think you're going to stray too far from the source material and it's just going to suck. But like you said, there were scenes that they left out. There were sequ- there were sequences that they left out, background story that they left out. And, and I think this is something that seems to be like a recurring theme when we talk about this category of like, you could, you could go into the background of the main characters to draw the story out a little bit more. Like you could do like flashbacks of Grant on how he, he got started. We talked about Hammond, like, you know, telling the anecdotes about the flea circus. So like you could do like maybe not an entire episode, but like you could do flashback scenes to when he was getting started, how Malcolm got like how Malcolm got he where he was with maybe like an entire plot of like kind of focusing on those main characters and how their their paths eventually led to Jurassic Park and how they got there. Because we only see like Grant is an established archaeologist. You could dive in his backstory a little bit, just like everybody else. And I could draw it out a little bit. But yeah, not can, more can, than like a ten episode miniseries. Like I was any say, longer can, than that, it wouldn't do like anything. I don't even I don't think ten episodes. I think a three episode miniseries is like right. nothing nothing long, but like you could you could add to it, like you said, technology these days. You could do a lot of the scenes that you couldn't do back then. Yeah. I think you might lose a lot of people in some of the scientific nuance and background of it too. Like I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe not. I mean, we're talking about Americans in general, so it's yeah. I would say it's gotten worse. Next category: tomorrow's their day. So, what happens next? So, we obviously have all of the the subsequent sequels and even the the Jurassic World trilogy. We have Lost World. We have Jurassic Park three, which. Janet, what's funny is that we Janet and I actually just did like a full rewatch of all six of those movies in like April, and there's some good parts in all of them. Jurassic Park, I'm sorry, Lost World is definitely the worst of all six movies in my opinion. Here's a fun fact though, that apparently, so there's there's this two hour making of doc, making of documentary that was on Blu-ray called Return of Jurassic Park. Spielberg actually came out and said that he shot the Barbasol can falling away from Nedry and being covered in mud intentionally just in case they could set up a potential sequel. And this is before the book came out. And then obviously once The Lost World came out from Crichton, it was like, well, that's the sequel. But he but he did plant that seed for a potential uh, movie sequel at the time. You guys agree, though? Like, all right, so the book, the books, I think... The books are a better way to, I guess, I don't want to say wrap the story yet, but um, what do you guys think about Jurassic World? Out of curiosity. I like Jurassic World. I um, liked it. I liked it a lot. I thought it was, it, and if you put it on its own and you don't try to compare it to the original, I think it stands really well. It's a great movie. They don't, it doesn't even really rely on a lot of what happened in the first movie to, you know, except for like the actual fact that it existed to to make itself. It's not like it's part of the same continuation of story or anything like that. I think Jurassic World is honestly, I think it's the second best. That's what I would say. All six. And and I think what they did a really good job of was like playing into the, we've got some advanced technology here. They're launching this park. So it's like futuristic, but man, they really like nostalgia got me in the feels with like the whole T-Rex part where Mm -hmm. T-Rex, the T-Rex comes out. Um, 
I, I don't want to say I got choked up, but like I may have gotten choked up. I, I don't. I, I mean, I remember like, yeah. like, oh my god, they're speaking to my twelve-year-old kid about now he's like he's teamed up with or he or she. I don't know what the gender is, but the T Rex. She. she. They were all girls. The T Rex has teamed up with the Velociraptors now to take down this new thing and like. And the part, I mean, the part where the giant fish thing comes out, I mean, I, I was like, this is fucking amazing. And his, his um, name escapes you right now, but the actor who he spent a lot of time on uh, Law and Order, the big guy, um, he was the game warden or the in-gen guy in Jurassic World. Do you remember the actor I'm talking about? Um, oh, oh, yeah. Vincent D'Onofrio. Uh, yeah, Vincent yeah. D'Onofrio. Yeah. I think his character in that yeah. movie is amazing. He's great. Oh, he's, yeah. Do you hear yourself when you talk? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I agree. But then I, th- I do think it kind of jumped the shark a little bit. I do think that the, honestly, the sequels of Jurassic World are better. At least the third one is better than the sequels of the original Jurassic Park trilogy. Dominion, is that what it's called? The, the last Fall, one? Dominion was the last one, yeah. And Fall, Fallen Kingdom is two, and then Dominion is three. If I'm ranking yep. the six. I'm going Jurassic Park, Jurassic World, Jurassic World Dominion. Then I don't know. Then it's like a toss-up. The other three are yeah. Just, then it's just kind of like yeah, whatever. Jura- or uh, what's it called? Jurassic Park Three is actually not as bad as I remember being upon the rewatch. That might actually be my fourth favorite. And then the middle two, the middle two chapters are both really bad. True. All right. Next. I don't know. Right. Well, so the only other things that I that I mentioned was as far as like what happens next. Like the extensive legal battle that Hamwood would find himself in is really like I mean getting real like that's what happened next and then just an aside like like how did Grant and Ellie not end up together like seriously yeah like I yeah. think we we already talked about the book like how it was a it was a kind of a more of a teacher mentor relationship but in the movie it wasn't and it's like seriously guys like how do you not end up together i don't get it yeah it's that weird thing if you're adapting the novels then you're like almost like for some reason trying to all of a sudden be true to the novels whereas like you weren't doing them in the first place so who cares like just make them end up together it was i mean in right. the movie, it wasn't overt that they were a couple i mean they they insinuated well, they weren't but he was clearly into her he was clearly into her, but I don't know that they were together. I guess you're right. No, actually... no they, they were not together. I'm just saying, like, I don't know how they didn't end up together, like, after the first movie. Well, after That's all I'm saying. Well, I think that, like, you either go one way or the other, either with you, this dramatic, um, what's the word I'm looking for? This, this, this life-altering event, you either, you're either bonded forever or you never want to see the person again. <laughs> right? Right. It's so traumatic. Right. But it's neither in this case. Right. Well, I think it's still pretty traumatic, but they'd lived, so I guess that's good. Ah, whatever. Anyways. Hard to be bonded together forever if you're dead. It's true. <laughs> How are you going to go to bed alive and wake up dead? <laughs> Next category, nerd facts. Let's take some turns of sharing some nerd facts. So here's fun. A fun thing, Michael Crichton was asked why the novel Jurassic was in the title and has a dinosaur from the Cretaceous period on the cover. And he replied that he had never occurred to him and admittedly admitted, quote, that was just the best looking design, end quote. And you know, I agree. Similar time when people weren't 
writing bullshit Yelp reviews on everything that's nonsense. Like, you're just like, you yeah. know what? How about you? That's a yeah. badass logo, and that's how it should look. How about you yeah. play a nice game? Cretaceous and Park does not have the same ring. That's, it doesn't. Yeah, Cretaceous Park, that sounds shitty. No one saw that movie. Yeah. Crusty Park. All right, Universal Pictures. I'm oh, sorry, Universal Pictures paid Michael Crichton $2 million for the rights before his novel, before it was even published. Even published. That's amazing. Yeah, Which I wonder if he got, I'm sure, I'm sure he got, I would hope he got some <clears throat> of percentage on the revenue too. Uh, I hope he, I hope his agents negotiated that on on his contract, get, get some points on the back end. If yeah. not, he's, he's shooting himself. Um, Michael Crichton intended John Hammond to be a dark Walt Disney. However, while possibly an unintentional, the character is also similar to P.T. Barnum. He does have that vibe for sure. He does. He so specifically mid- talks about Flea Circus. Yeah, it's true. You're right. Yeah, that's definitely P.T. Barnum for sure. <clears throat> so at 25 minutes of the movie, the Mr. DNA cartoon, according to Steven Spielberg, was his way of condensing condensing a lot of the novel's exposition into a few minutes. I think they do a really good job of it. Sometimes that's like, kind of annoying like oh you're basically telling us this plot because we're stupid but it was nice for them to like kind of wrap it up in essentially two minutes i mean they, we talked about this earlier they really dumbed it down from the book yeah it's, it's 40 pages in the book of like here's how we did this yeah it's very dense too which again when you're reading it, it's not a big deal but when you're seeing it it might have been too much like yeah right, if you've already if you've already chosen to read the book, you've you've you know, embarked down this journey that you feel like you're comfortable with. If you go up to show like for a box office smash hit and they spend 20 minutes explaining the science of fake DNA cloning to you, might lose you. You're like, am I? Yeah, your your eyes are going to get glossy. Am yeah. I in science class right now? I I, I want to see dinosaurs kill humans. Yeah, where's the where's the dinosaur? Yeah, <laughs> that part. <laughs> Give me the action. Yeah. All right, Steven Spielberg was in the early stages of pre-production for the movie ER, based on the Michael Crichton novel. When he heard about the Jurassic Park book, he subsequently dumped what he was doing to make this movie. Afterwards, he returned to ER and helped develop it into a hit TV show, in 1994. And you, you mentioned this earlier, Justin. It ran for 25 years or something. Forever, long ass time. Like I think it was like 15 years, but it. it I can't imagine. <clears throat> can you imagine ER being a movie? Like no. no. Absolutely not. I agree. Agreed. <laughs> According to the behind the scenes book, The Making of Jurassic Park, an adventure 65 million years in the making, the infamous roar of the Tyrannosaurus Rex were a composite mix of a dog, penguin, tiger snarl, alligator's gurgle, and a baby elephant squeal. Sounds about right. That's impressive. Yeah, well, that, I mean, I mean, the way these sound people do it is insane. I mean, that's the same thing. The T Rex that was killing Gennaro was actually Gary Rydstrom's Jack Russell Terrier Buster shaking a rope toy in his mouth. It was recorded and then slowed down because the guy thought that the T Rex would sound just like that. And uh, apparently, I could totally hear that. By the way, you can, yeah, like now, like thinking about it, like, like yeah. you can, t- like let the dog shake that toy. And Buster also provided the sound for the T-1000 ice spiking a mental hospital guard in Terminator 2 Judgment Day. So Buster, Buster's doing some good work with sound editing. <laughs> Way to go, Buster. <laughs> Rest in peace. Yeah. <laughs> 
Director Spielberg wanted the Velociraptors to be about 10 feet tall, which was taller than they were known to be. According to an artist involved in pre-production, he requested this change because he was unhappy with the size of what was considered to be the largest dromaeosaurid at the time, Dionychus, and wanted it to be bigger. Dion... Dionychus. Yeah, good one. Yeah, that, that, that sounds right to me. Dianonychus. 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 Nice job. So, yeah. oddly enough, during filming, paleontologists actually discovered 10-foot-tall specimens of raptors called Utah raptors, probably because they were found in Utah. Yeah. Spielberg also wanted the dinosaurs to be bird-like, for example, snapping to attention like a chicken. He wanted the raptors to turn their heads so they could look behind them to make them look have an even scarier appearance. Spielberg likened the raptors tapping its claw to Morse code to any raptor listening. Pretty cool part. And I did some research on what a raptor they think looked like, and it was much more bird-like. Tons of feathers, scales. Well, it had feathers, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. So Hurricane Anika hit while this was being filmed, and the cast and crew were all required to move into the ballroom of the hotel in which they were staying. And again, Sir Richard Attenborough, we should have said that before, Sir Richard Attenborough, he's been knighted. He stayed in his hotel room and slept through the entire event. And when asked how he could possibly have done this, he replied, my dear boy, I survived the blitz. That's pretty <laughs> impressive. That is. <laughs> that's awesome. I think that same storm, Spielberg filmed the movie storm scenes during the actual hurricane. So that's pretty impressive as well. There, there, there are, got some, are clips. Got some good stock him, footage. There yeah. are clips of him saying, hey, camera crew, let's go. And so all the parts where the storm is going crazy is actually a hurricane that's happening around them. That's, that's awesome. Uh, Fred Sorensen, the pilot from Raiders of the Lost Ark, happened to be there transporting supplies. He helped to bring the supplies and transport cast and crew to L.A. to finish the movie. Hmm. So Samuel Jackson was supposed to fly to Hawaii to film Arnold's death scene, but a hurricane destroyed the set and the scene had to be scrapped. He regrets this because he was physically... Uh, chased by them and killed and he really wanted to do it so that's why we only got his arm that would have would have been so much better to see him actually get chased by raptors and killed that would have been yeah that would have been a big part of the movie i'm sure that would have been that would have been good speaking yeah. of getting killed wayne knight felt nedry deserved to die but it bothered him that it happened off camera it was not as gory as it was in the novel where he was also decapitated it bothered me too after i read the book and then remembered I mean, the movie i'm like oh it was so him. his death was so much better yeah um, you see him getting attacked in the in the the jeep or whatever but it is not as yeah but all you see is the jeep just like yeah you hear him screaming and the jeep is just moving so like yeah you know what's happening but like you really like you felt it in the book yeah in so, the original novel so we kind of talked about this where hammond was ki actually killed by a flock of compies and then, however, the death scene was resurrected and reworked for another character in the sequel of The Lost World. Yeah, it's that, I think it's that, it's like a nerdy guy. Yeah, know. like eats him in the river. Kind of yeah, right. All yeah, right. I can't remember. One of our last categories, inner nerd thoughts. So did we learn or think anything while we were watching this? I had a lot of thoughts, but I don't want to bore anyone too terribly. So I'll just jump into a couple that I think were the, the big hitters. So, um, the, the Power Rogers thing confused me. Like, that seems to be power. Like, uh, seemingly the entire power grid goes down, but then they're in there, they're hanging out and eating ice cream, and there's power in like the main 
area. So I, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe it was just only like the, like the emergency generators were on, which provided some basic lighting function. But the freezer that stored the ice cream was not a priority. Yeah, that 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 was right. totally that was yeah. safe. Right. They had power in the bunker that they were in as well, but there was no power for the fences and the island and those things. So I, I did some research on like, does this science work out? And you know, again, it's a movie. I get that, but the one thing that did stand out was that, or a couple of things that stood out was that, you know, the main thing is Crichton's original work. It all hinges on uh, dinosaur DNA being found in a mosquito in amber. It's over sixty-five million years. However, if this was actually found, the DNA would be far too outdated and degraded. It wouldn't be able to preserve, and and honestly, wouldn't do anything. Not to mention that those creatures don't actually suck blood definitely not dinosaur blood so like you know again so it's a movie it's a book it's supposed to be fun but you're saying it's a you're saying it's a flawed premise i'm saying it's a flawed but however scientists have successfully sequenced dna from ancient animal bones and teeth including mammoths and neanderthals and use that dna to understand their genetic makeup and evolutionary history better so like they actually would be it'd be more accurate now with the science to extract it from bones rather than actual blood in amber from a mosquito or whatever. All right. Yeah. That makes sense. Yep. Any, anybody else have any thoughts as they were watching this? I mean, not nothing that's worth sharing here. <laughs> nothing as eloquent as that. I would learn that Justin, you are far nerdier about this movie than I am, and I appreciate it. <laughs> well, I was going to say I got one more thing to say, and 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 I the only thing that I really came to thought was, are the people that built this park the fucking dumbest people in the world? Like, let, let me rattle off some things that they do. It's like, why would you from do a design it? perspective? This the things they do, the decisions they made. A, why are there toxic plants that that poison? Uh, What'd you say, stegosauruses or no, uh, triceratops? Triceratops. Why did you plant those? Why would you do? I mean, I, weather systems. Like, you could you could track this before. Why would you plan this make this epic tour the first time during a major storm? Like, just push it off for a couple hours. Uh, somehow they can splice DNA and they can grow dinosaurs. But they don't know like that. You know these dinosaurs because of the DNA. Um, what what's going to happen to that? It just seems like pretty silly. Why would you put small children on a tour without a guide? Like, there's no one that works for the Jurassic Park on these tours. They just they put yeah, them in they, the cars and say go. Yeah, there's a lawyer. Why would why was Hammond so mad when a dinosaur was shot? You remember that part? He's like he's screaming because he's mad that like the the whatever they're getting shot at. Like, just make a new one. Who the fuck cares? And why would the reset switch be near where the Velociraptor like cages are? Like, put that near like where the ice cream is stored. Um, I'm just I'm just saying. There's a lot of flaws to the engineering. <laughs> the maintenance shed is on the far <laughs> side of the Velociraptor enclosure. <laughs> The it design, like, a, like it seems like a poor design as far as where everything is located in the park. I'm just saying, of all the, if you can make dinosaurs, maybe think through the, the slight minutia of the rest of the park. <laughs> all right, last category: impact. This movie had a budget of sixty-three million dollars. It grossed worldwide, one point one over one point one billion dollars. 
What is that adjusted for inflation, Doc Eagle? It's a 210% inflation amount there. So it's like like $2.3 billion. Absolutely. Which I, I just you know realized Barbie hit a billion dollars over this last weekend and it seemed like an amazing amount of money. So $2 billion back in, you know, for $93 is pretty impressive. Yeah, double over double that. And yeah. we'll, maybe Barbie make it, who knows? It, some awards, it, it won actually from the Academy Awards, it won best sound, best effects for sound effects editing and best effects for visual effects, which it, again, we already talked about that, like how incredible. Damn right. Totally should have. Any final thoughts as we wrap this uh, episode up? I mean, if you haven't seen it, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty good point. I mean, this is this is definitely one of the movies that, and books that I remember being so excited about. I, I, I have so many amazing memories with you guys and with just friends, like with the book and with the film adaptation. And I, I think what was really cool about it is that even though there were some things that were different from the book, I never remember thinking to myself, Oh man, what a bad adaptation. Like they just they 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 made some creative choices and it still works. And it, it doesn't need to be like this big thing about wow, look at how different it is. Just it's such an impactful movie from childhood and it's, it really does hold up. It absolutely holds up. Yeah. And I wish I wish more people would adapt stuff this way instead of the way that things are getting adapted now, which is yeah, wildly hit or miss. I think we could take a lot of lessons from Spielberg and and from the writers on this and how they did it overall. And I can tell you my seven-year-old son absolutely feels like it holds up. Yeah. That's a, if that's not a ringing endorsement, I don't know what is. Yep. Logan doesn't mess around, man. He'll tell no. you. He'll he tell knows you. his movies. He knows his movies. <laughs> Damn right. All right. Well, our last little category here, nerd outreach. First of all, some thank yous. I'm just going to thank you, John Cagle, for uh, joining us. Um, this was a lot of fun. I'm so glad you absolutely. Could yeah, again, I, my my fondest memory of this movie and book is is our our competition and us reading books uh, this book together. And you had to be on this. That, that might be my fondest memory of like you idiots like going to see it like God knows how many times. I think I might have saw. I think maybe three or four. I think is where I was at. Which is, nowhere. which is a high sure. number. Like, just for the record, that's a lot of times to see a movie in the theater. Like That is a lot of times. Yeah. Pedestrian. Does it, yeah. More than a dozen is, is not normal. <laughs> it's, not. it's not necessary either. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So as always, uh, we want to make sure we tell our listeners to share, rate, tell people to listen and watch our nerd bites and takes, et cetera, that are video clips on YouTube. We got all the Instas and social medias. You can share any thoughts, of course. And uh, our next episode is going to be back to what we originally promised, which is going to be talking about Return of the Jedi, which is going to be the 40th anniversary. We're actually going to do that one. We're actually two episodes for that. I think you're going to have to split it up. That might be a long, a long form episode, two parter. We'll see who can uh, last that long to talk about. I know, I, I know, I certainly can. So. We'll, we'll have a lot to talk about. It's all right. All right, everybody. Well, until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye.
Okay, so I hit record. The only uh, just to just to give you an FYI, because I'm poor and our school district stopped using Zoom. We're like straight Google, so I, we only have 40 minutes, and so we'll have to stop and then log back in and just continue where we left off. And I I told Lambert to remind me, but in case we have a few drinks, don't let me forget to hit record because I've done it twice where we talked for minutes. And I, like, uh, I didn't hit record for the last 40 minutes of that episode. We gotta re- we're gonna do it all again. <laughs> it happened the last time we recorded this way. Yeah. I already but, hit record. I already did a preemptive record before any of you guys logged in today. But so. I felt like the first one was a dry run because our second one, our second time through was better. Oh, it was significantly better. <clears throat> I, w- yeah. I would I would I would hope we get better. <laughs> I, I would I would guess you couldn't recreate the original. Be like the magic is gone. Oh no, we I think I think I we I, I think we both sur- times, somehow we surpassed. Both we've done it. It actually I, I felt it was better. I don't know if you've noticed this, Lambert, but we are wearing the same t shirt. <laughs> are we really? <laughs> awesome. Oh, yeah. I have that shirt. I should have gotten yes, it. Yes, you oh, do. You no. were at that show. Damn well, it. That was this is totally by accident, by the way. All right. Next time we do this, we're gonna do that. We're also gonna take a screenshot of us all wearing the same fucking Pearl Jam t shirt. I'll have to I'll just stand up and just be like, hey, look, me. Yeah. All right. See you in a see you in a few seconds. All right.